0: Hey, before we get started, we just wanna let you know that this episode is brought to you by Church Sound Made Simple. Mixing sound seems complicated, but it doesn't have to be. Cut the overwhelm by getting access to the stress-free, no-fluff training that will help you create great sound at church. Visit churchsoundmadesimple.com. Welcome to the Collaborate Worship Podcast, where we help you create great sound at church. I'm your host, Cade Young, and today, I'm here with Jake Goslin. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Cade. So- So glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Man, Jake and I are gonna talk about how to get your live stream looking better. But before we get into that, let me tell you a bit about Jake. He's the creator of Church Front, and he regularly posts their uh, free content on his blog, his YouTube channel, his podcast, to help you lead gospel-centered, engaging, and tech-savvy worship gatherings. And not only are Jake and I both bloggers, YouTubers, and podcasters, but we also both currently have a newborn at home. So how are you dealing with the lack of sleep, man? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just weird. You just kind of adapt,
1: but I'm surprised so far. Our little boy, he's been doing well. It's our newborn is sleeping better than our three-year-olds. Um, it seems like, so, um, the newborn, you know, you just, you keep him fed and, you know, swaddled and he's pretty happy and then eats every, you know, couple hours. But, uh, the, 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 the three-year-olds man, that's where the, that's where I'm finding the exhaustion of parenthood. I was like, when I first had our when I had, when we had the twins a couple of years ago, I was like, man, what are, what are parents talking about? It's not that exhausting. And then they turn two and I'm like, okay, I get it.
0: Yep. Lots of energy. Uh, do they talk like nonstop? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, all girls, and they talk nonstop and then a newborn little boy. So <laughs> he's got oh, three older awesome. sisters. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch. Yep. Well, man, in every podcast interview, we always take a moment to bring a failure out into the open so we can laugh together and learn something along the way. Because the truth is we're all out there making mistakes. A lot of people find them really heavy until you realize that even the pros out there, even Jake Goslin, is making mistakes. So man, fess up. Tell us an embarrassing story about when you mess something up at church.
1: Yeah, uh, I got one that's the the one that's freshest in my memory right now happened just a couple weeks ago. I was running sound. For the services, and I was on a, a Behringer wing console um, here at South Fellowship Church um, and having a blast. And the it was the first service. We had a little bit of a rush sound check with like the pastor's mic, but we got it all, you know, functioning fine. And then the time in the service came up for his mic to be unmuted. And I like unmuted and, and turned it up, but like, Nothing was coming through. So he was just like praying. Uh, I think it was like at the end of a worship set, he was like praying before he went into the sermon. And I couldn't hear them. And I'm like, and I'm like, what's going on? Why can't I hear him? I see the signal coming in. It's unmuted. The DCA group is unmuted. What is going on? And fortunately, one of our other volunteers, Eric, like I was like, Eric, come over here. Like, what am I not seeing right now? And it was on the wing. There's a place where you can select. Where your channel, like, there's basically, there's almost like there's four main mixes you can have on the wing simultaneously, like four output mixes, not just not like mix buses, but like main mixes, which is kind of cool. But somehow on this pastor's mic, the output to the to the main mixes, the main mix got like disabled, but you can't really see it. It's kind of like buried like in the processing chain there. So I was just embarrassed because you know it was my first it was my first Sunday mixing sound there. Um, and for about 30 seconds, nobody could hear what the pastor was praying or saying. Um, and then I just learned something new about that board, I guess. Right. And that's something actually people could, uh, I've seen this problem before. I don't know why I didn't think about in the moment, even on the X32, if you, you know, you can select a channel and then you can like enable or disable it, go into your main left and right output. Right. So it's like, you want to make sure like some people are like, Oh no, why isn't my channel working? Well, it's like, make sure that output is enabled or else it's not going through your main mix. So that, that even happened to me. I just, it just looks different on the wing. So I couldn't find it quickly. Another funny story. This one's really fresh. This is actually not as much my fault as much as, um, one of my our guys, Adam, he works on the church front team. He was mixing for our broadcast this week for the church. And I get done the set and usually I like to keep our waves real tune plug on chromatic mode. Um, because you know, I can sing close enough to the key and most of our singers, like, if we hear ourselves well, chromatic mode is fine. And I get back <laughs> to the back of the room and he's like, or we get done and we're going to go listen to it. He's like, Hey, I went ahead and I just, I just like selected the major key of the song you're singing, uh, another in the fire. I put it in the key of C and I'm like, that song was in the key of B flat. <laughs> so then we go back and it was like, it, you, every time I tried to sing a a B flat, it was sharpening my voice to B and it just did not sound very good. So I was like,
0: no. <laughs> That's only a half step though. No big deal, right? No big deal. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, man, back to your issue with the Behringer wing. I get a lot of people that ask me like uh, about the Behringer wing. I haven't gotten my hands on one yet. So mm-hmm. like, what's your honest thoughts about it?
1: I love it man. I, I you got to get used to it a little bit, but especially coming from the X32, it is significantly different in a lot of ways. Um but I cannot believe the value they are packing into this mixing console for $3,000. It's it's out of this world. Especially if you're coming from a like a lot I know a lot of your audience is is in the X32 world. You already have a lot of the Behringer gear like stage boxes. Like I and if if you're just kind of like feeling some of the limitations of the x32 i think the wing is a great upgrade it's actually kind of my i'm i was just scripting out my next youtube video of just like my recommended mixers for 2021 and like the wing is actually on the top of the list and um i don't you know i'm glad i've had probably 12 to 15 hours now on this console mixing it and getting to know it um I don't know if I would have said it was my favorite mixer of choice right now. Um, I don't think I appreciated the new technology they put into it and the new features it has over the X32, M32, but I think it's totally, totally worth it. Um, I'm trying to think of a reason why not to get it. Like, yeah, I, I I can't. Like, I mean, it's a little bit big. Like, I wish they had maybe like a mobile compact size one if you're a portable church. Um, that's That's about it. So it's a great board. Cool. Can't wait to check it out.
0: Yeah. Well, I talk a lot about getting the live stream sounding better on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. I know you talk a lot about it too on yours, uh, but this time I actually want to talk about how to get it looking better. So I know when it comes to the visual, like it's lighting, that's everything. Mm. So you want to give us some of your best lighting tips? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'll, I'll even just like the lighting I'm using right now. So the The best lighting tips, especially when you're in a video environment is like number one, like make sure you have just sufficient light in the first place. You can't like, you don't want your camera having to make up light, you know, within its sensor that's known as ISO or gain. That's what's going to make it really grainy and nasty. Um, so we want to provide sufficient lighting, for your video cameras, your broadcast cameras. So you may need to do kind of an assessment of like, you know, aside from thinking about our live stream, like how does our lighting design look like uh, in the room uh, as is like, I think some churches will be surprised to find like, Oh, it's like not very good. Like when you think about, I can't really clearly see subjects on stage in person. Well, that's probably going to look the same way um, through your cameras as well. Or that might be like usually cameras. I feel like, emphasize it. Like if it's good lighting, it'll emphasize good lighting. And and if it's bad lighting, cameras will be like, this is very bad lighting. They'll let you know. Um, so I, I like to do what's called, um, I mean, there's a technique called three point lighting and I guess it's not exactly three point lighting that I'm doing right now, but make sure you have a good, uh, key light or front light is kind of another name for it. So right now I have like a key light in front of me. It's a just a LED lamp. Um, it's a falconized one. It has a really nice soft light. And a lot of these same principles, even though the fixtures I'm using right now are kind of different uh, on my v- video right now, um, the same principles apply though, even on a stage, like it's really, it's really not much different. So I have a key light that's like, you know, 45 degrees kind of up, and kind of almost 45 degrees from the side of me. Ideally I'd have like a fill light on the other side just to not look, you know, so dramatic. And maybe I could be a little bit more evenly lit. Sometimes you want more of that depth though, and kind of have like shadows on one side of the face and that kind of looks cool. Um, and then it's also great to have some some sort of backlighting that can kind of help, um, separate your, um, subject from, from the background. So right now, if you look behind me, I've got like this, this blue LED light that I like to add some color behind me. This is another important tip. Like if you have color LED lights, um, in your church's sanctuary, like you shouldn't be front lighting your subjects with that. Like the light I'm using for my front light right now is just a daylight, like 5,600 Kelvin, um, light. And I think that generally, like, daylight is probably the most flattering color out there. Um, and then you can just tell your camera that the color temperature should be at 5600 Kelvin. Um, and then it's going to render the skin tones to look, you know, pretty pretty decent. Um, so that's something to keep in mind like if i have like i would not want to put this blue light in front of me unless if i wanted some weird dramatic effect or look like a smurf or something like that so avoid that and then i've got i'm trying to think here i've got a couple of filaments behind me um and this one i have my there it is okay so i can control the these are just like hue filament bulbs I, I like the look of having, it's kind of hard cause it's far away from me, but I like the look of having some warmer backlight too. It kind of like makes it kind of, especially for the hair, um, can kind of help create separation um, for your hair. Right now I don't have enough of it. So my hair almost like, or what hair I do have, almost like blends right into the background. Um, and there's just not much depth to the image. So warmer lights like this, sometimes a cooler backlight will look good as well. Um, lighting is super important. So my favorite fixtures specifically for front lighting are ellipsoidal spotlights. I think those work really well. You can, they're, you know, I think it's like, you can get some ETC source 4 junior lights that are like three, 400 bucks a piece with like a $50 bulb. Make sure the lamp isn't too, you know, warm. Again, I like to lean more towards the, the higher temperature Calvin lamp. I believe is the, is the cooler looking one just kind of has that daylight look to it. Um, but then for your backlights, you know, a lot of people are getting these led wash lights and led strip lights and stuff like that. Just keep them behind the subjects. Just, yeah, don't put them, don't put them on the front of your subjects. It looks horrible. Um, that's those, those are kind of my quick tips there for lights.
0: Good stuff, man. I also have a fixture, uh, that I got for our church, I think, is just last year. That I love, and there are LEDs, but they're they're I think they're thirty five hundred Kelvin, which I kind of prefer, like the the warmer, like mm-hmm. thirty five hundred Kelvin for the in person gathering. I just like yeah. the look of that better for a front light. Yeah. Everybody's different, though. You know, whatever works for you. But these that's what they are. They're thirty five hundred Kelvin, and they're LEDs, so you don't have to deal with the heat and all that kind of stuff. But they're not ellipsoidals, They're Fresnels. Am I saying that? Oh right? yeah, yeah. So, which is kind of like a blend between a parcan and an ellipsoidal, because you can adjust yeah. the the beam angle of it. So,
1: yeah, yeah I like I like the precision of ellipsoidals, um, especially if you're trying to like avoid it, you know, washing onto like a, a background behind you or a screen or something like that. That would be the advantage of ellipsoidal. Um, I think Fresnels look great for. Or Fresnel, Fresnel or Fresnel? I don't even know how for to now. say it. But Maybe Fresnel. <laughs> I think it's either. that. Uh, and those those function well as like some nice like kind of back hair lights. You know, kind of going towards the congregation almost. That can look pretty sharp too. I've seen that before. So, yeah, we've got a look at a. If you guys look up on YouTube, um, church lighting design, um, you'll see a pretty in-depth video I made at Red Rocks with with Mark Ray there, and it's it really illustrates all this stuff well.
0: Awesome. I'll put links to all this in the show notes, which you'll find at collaborateworship.com. All right. So the budget is going to decide what you can do with this next question. So I'd kind of like to talk through three different levels um, of cameras. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can go from like maybe somebody can figure out where they are right now and then take the next step forward, whatever that is. So let's start with the most inexpensive camera setup that churches can use to live stream. What would you recommend?
1: How inexpensive? (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought, like, uh, cause when I see, when I hear that, I'm like, uh, cause you gotta be realistic. It's like, Oh, $20. It's like, okay, no, that doesn't count. Like I'm thinking in the world, you know, you know, the world of cameras, right? Like you can, mm-hmm. you can spend five grand on one camera, 20 grand on one camera, 50 grand on one camera. So to me, inexpensive is a thousand dollars, like under a thousand dollars for a body and a lens setup. Does that sound right? Yeah. Is that, is that that. expensive enough? Okay. Cause this is what I'm recommending for kind of our beginner live stream setup that we, that we have like the video I made on my YouTube channel on the course. Um, the Sony a 6400 is kind of my favorite go-to recommendation. It's a mirrorless camera that has a APS-C sensor in it. So it's a larger sensor. That's it's the camera I'm using right now. That's what this one, I'm looking right at it. So you guys can see for yourself, like, I think it looks pretty good, you know, like it's... Uh, yeah, it does look good. Um, yeah, so in... And I have the... So the lens on it right now, it's a nicer... It's a Sigma 16 millimeter lens, F1.4. So that's why, you know, I've got the nice, like, blurry background and stuff. Um, but this setup... Okay, so I think that camera with the, this nicer lens was probably 1200 bucks. But you can get some less expensive lenses that um are like two to three hundred bucks a piece and it puts you right around a thousand to eleven $1, hundred I think when you when all said and done. And there's other cameras out there that have the APSC uh sensors. Um again to me I the you're gonna get the best quality for your dollar with sense camera sensors and then in glass lenses. Um, unfortunately I see a lot of churches they look at the specs of cameras and they think, oh, it's 4K. Oh, it can. it's a PTZ camera that can pan, til- tilt, zoom, or whatever. Um, and unfortunately, we put our dollars towards features that are, eh, like they're kind of overrated for, for a lot of church c- scenarios. Um, so I would always lean more towards the cameras that have, like what's the biggest sensor you can get for your dollar? Um, and if you can get APS-C uh, sensor type or... Uh, micro four thirds probably at the smallest and then anything bigger like the canon c200s have you know super 35 millimeter sensors then you can get full frame sensors on some of the nicer higher end cameras out there but it, the sony a6400 that's why i think it's a great starting point and then there's so many great lens they have a Huge variety of lenses. You can get higher end lenses. You can get some budget friendly ones. You can get one that can zoom in plenty far enough for like a nice close follow cam. Um, And even when you start having a dial up, if you if you have a less, uh, if you have a cheaper lens on this camera, even when we start dialing up the ISO, like it, the noise is pretty low. Like it's not going to get all. Nasty on you because it because again it's it's using that larger sensor captures more light so the camera doesn't have to you know make up like oh what light should be there and that's what creates that graininess so yeah I think that's my first recommendation
0: yeah I think that's probably a good next step even for some churches that are maybe using an iPhone or or just something like that a cheap camcorder or something and- total
1: yeah that's the thing camcorders and PTZ optics cameras um. Not just PTZ optics, the brands, but a lot of PTZ cameras have very tiny sensors, like the same sensor of, of of the same size sensor that's in your iPhone. And the thing about the iPhone, though, is uh, you you know they've got Apple has their proprietary like processing and computing they put into it to kind of make up for the physical limitations of of that device. Whereas these other companies like aren't as good at that because they just don't have nearly as much manpower and r&d power as as apple does so all that said like with a camcorder especially in a low light situation it's going to look really grainy and and not awesome not going to have good dynamic range that's another important thing is how well does the camera retain the the, uh, details of the bright parts of the image and the dark parts of the image that's another easy tell of like is this just a cheap camera someone's using or is this something that's like more pro level?
0: Cool. So let's say somebody's in the situation you just talked about with the Sony camera and they're ready to take the next step. What is that?
1: Then the next step, I would I would look at the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K. Um, that's going to be, I think, the best bang for your buck for really just a video only camera that has high dynamic range it has a super 35 millimeter sensor. So you just got a bigger sensor and now you can start using Canon, uh, EF glass on it. Really, it could be any EF mount glass like Sigma or whatever, but I like Canon L glass, um, really sharp, really great images. That would be the next recommendation. And then you're looking at about $2,000 for the camera body. They just came out with a new, uh, black magic pocket 6k like a week ago. Um, maybe you could find some used ones for even better price now, and then start finding some good lenses. So my recommendations for most, it kind of depends on the size of your church building and and how long the throw is for your camera, but the 70 to 200 F4 lens by Canon, um, it's like a, it's like a really inexpensive, great lens. And I find with that, that particular setup, like if you're doing a follow cam, Um, you don't really need the F 2.8 lower F stop. Like it's kind of overkill when you're zoomed in, especially like you're going to get plenty of depth to that, to that image when you're focused on your subject. So, um, I found one of those lenses used for $700, which is a great deal. And then, uh, maybe for my other, if I had like a two camera setup, like I would, I would have like maybe, uh. 24 to one Oh five, that could just kind of zoom in however I want it to, depending on where I place it. Uh, prime lenses like a 50 millimeter or, um, a 24 to 70. If someone's like walking around with the camera. Um, so again, we got so many great videos on on my YouTube channel, like go to, that's what Bethel uses for the most part is a black magic six K's. Uh, and you could see if you search Bethel multi-camera setup—you'll probably find that on YouTube. And we we go through like each of their camera positions. So even though it's like it's Bethel and they have a humongous reach, like they have actually very modest uh, camera gear um, that they've only recently started to do some updates. But um, yeah, that's my next recommendation: Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K. Start getting some Canon glass.
0: Okay, so let's say that somebody has the money to upgrade like their primary camera to the Blackmagic but they still have like the Sony A6400. Can they use that as like their secondary camera and will they blend well together?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can I I think the the selection of like you can kind of select the different LUTs and creative styles on the cameras. You can adjust all those settings um to to easily get them matched. Like we at uh, my last church we used the Pocket 6K for our main follow camera and then we had two GH5s and I felt like I was able to match those to look really consistent
0: cool so is there a next level after the black magic pocket that you would recommend of course there's a always
1: yeah there's there's a lot of levels so uh i think the next level there i really like the look of the canon c200 so those you're looking at a camera body being five six well the price might just come down fifty five hundred bucks or something like that um and the camera's been out for a couple of years now. You don't you have one of those, kid? I have a C one hundred. Okay, so the C two hundred has the four K capability, which is kind of overkill. C one hundred actually, I kind of forget about that camera. Like that, that could for a ten eighty p broadcast environment could actually really work great. So, um, and I, I really like how the. You know, the Black Magic has some decent LUTs you can put on it. You can make your own LUTs. I really like when the Canon, um, the Rec. 709 LUT that you apply to the footage before it gets sent out of the camera, it just looks great. You don't really have to touch it at all. It just expose the image properly and it's awesome. So I really like that. And you guys can look at um, Red Rocks Church. They are all C200s in their setup. And something about the color, the dynamic range is really good. Um, cameras like that also have built-in ND filters. Um, if you need them, the, the black magic, the new black magic 6k has ND filters built in now. Um, but there's something about the form factor of like a true, like I don't a big boy cinema camera, like the C200. I just really like, um, and I think it works great. And, and you can see it working well at, at a lot of churches. Um, the other thing you could, you could consider, Is the red Komodo. So that's what the guys at Bethel recently upgraded to, it's a couple of those. Not for all their cameras, but I think that camera is around also five to six K for the camera body. So a similar price point um, and really good, really good color science and technology there.
0: Cool. All right, let's transition to like the software for getting our live stream to the interwebs, to YouTube or Facebook, wherever it's going. Are you like an OBS? Guy, or do you recommend something else for that? Now, well, so there's kind of like
1: a couple different routes you can go with your like with your streaming system. So the first one is what I consider more um, budget conscious entry level can work great for a lot of like small to mid-sized churches who are like, "Hey, we just want to spend you know, maybe like three to four thousand dollars on our live streaming system That includes cameras a video switcher, and then the software we'll need. So that's this setup that I'm focusing on because I think three to $4,000 is, is pretty reasonable for, a, for most churches to, to build a robust system. Um, so from the software standpoint with that setup, I recommend using ProPresenter for not only your presentation, but also for your live streaming needs. Um, so what you can do is you have multiple let's say we do the Sony A6400s so you have those going into a A10 mini pro for a little four input video switcher and then the A10 mini pro it doesn't not only does it switch the live action video it also functions as a Video capture device for ProPresenter, um, so then you'll be piping in your video feed into ProPresenter. Um, you can configure ProPresenter however you want with all the screens, and you can have a screen for your in-person congregation. You have a screen for your live stream. Um, it's amazing. Like I really think what ProPresenter did in the past year, about coming out with this live stream capability, it pretty much got rid of the need for OBS, Wirecast, you name it, eCam Live. I think they're great. Pe- they're great pieces of software. And like, I still use them for other purposes outside of, uh, worship ministry. Um, but ProPresenter combines that presentation software with the live streaming. And it just like, it saves you so much. Like it, when it comes to like, think about before you'd have to send lyrics and graphics out of Pro Presenter to like your other live streaming software and it's just kind of like a, a clunkier setup. Where now you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to send NDI feeds. You don't have to use a deck link or something to send it to another computer. You can just overlay the lyrics or graphics onto your your line cut from your switcher and then send it online. So that's the the, the more entry level setup I recommend. And then I think Like if you want to go kind of bigger than that, like the next upgrade from there would be like a truly like all hardware setup where um, you're using a bigger switcher, maybe like the ATEM Television Studio HD or ATEM Production Studio 4K or something bigger, and. You, you're you cutting all your video, you're overlaying lyrics and graphics inside the video switcher, which often means you have to have another piece of hardware, like a DeckLink Duo, to send multiple screen outputs from ProPresenter into the switcher. Um, so it's it's all hardware. It's more re- maybe perhaps more robust and reliable. Um, your computer doesn't have to do as much encoding, but it's going to cost you more, right? So it's going to be a lot more gear. And that setup, you're looking at like, you know, close to $10,000 all said and done. Um, so those are kind of my recommendations. It's like, do you want to do a three to $5,000 setup or do you want like a ten to $15,000 setup? If the, if anything in between is kind of awkward.
0: Yeah, I know you uh, coach a lot of churches like in this very thing right here. What percentage of them do you think is, you are using the pro presenter setup that you just talked about?
1: Not very many yet because it's so new. Yeah. So everybody like when, especially when early 2020 hit, like all this stuff went down, everybody went online. It was like OBS, Ecamm, Wirecast, um, many of these things that that's what I recommended a year ago, but now it changed so much. And, um, I just released a kind of my new beginner live streaming setup video for churches a couple of weeks ago, um, that talks about this very thing I've been talking about with ProPresenter. Um, and now I think I think it'll start to catch on. Like there's like forty thousand people have watched that video so far. So it's like I think churches who are kind of maybe tired of using OBS and like some of these other streaming software. It's like oh, we already had ProPresenter anyway. Why aren't we using it to just stream? Um, and then some of its integration with like Resi is really cool um, for multi-streaming and reliable streaming. Um, but you can send it straight to YouTube if you want. You don't have to use Resi, um, or you could use Restream. That's another great service as well. So uh, we're still early. I think I think over coming months and years, we'll see ProPresenter uh, kind of be more a, a more dominant solution for church live streaming.
0: Now you're just a little bit nicer in what you just said versus like the email I think I read from you the other day about using reStream or Resi. It's like if if it's so easy to send out your stream to multiple places, why is why are you not doing it? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: No, I I like I I just like and I, I've like people. It's weird. We we come up with weird excuses that like there's a, an aspect of them that like oh it sounds like a good idea but it's really not. It's just like a dumb idea. <laughs> like, I just like it's like there's no like. Why would you not want to be streaming to more locations online for more people to engage your stream and discover your church? Like it really makes no sense like to not do that. It's so easy to do as well. Um, Of course. Yeah. Like it costs a bit of money, but really can churches even afford to not have a robust online presence these days. Like to me, it's just, it's just as important as providing a, a roof over people's head. when they, when they want to come to your church and worship in person, it's like, we get to have that virtual version of that online and let's go where everybody's at
0: and uh, engage them wherever they're at. Yep. Good point. Well, man, we've talked about a lot in this podcast, so I like for people to focus. So if there's just like one thing for them to do to improve the way their live stream looks like, what would make the biggest difference?
1: Probably without having to spend anything on new gear, I think lighting, I come, always come back to lighting. It's amazing what you can do with lighting. Like, and maybe you have fixtures laying around your church or they're just not being used properly. That happened to me one time. Like I was at a church and we had a ton of like, we had a bunch of ellipsoidals like sitting in a back room somewhere and we had a bunch of like, someone had put a bunch of LEDs on the front trusk thinking, oh, these are the new LEDs. Let's put these up instead of the ellipsoidals. And it just looked horrible. And then we're like, wait a second. We have all these great fixtures just like sitting in this back room closet. And then it just, you know, made our lighting so much better. So um, look for things like that. Um, and then lighting and then really f- learn about exposure, camera exposure and how that works. Don't just set your camera on a tripod and hit automatic and then, you know, hope it works well because the, the camera can only, it's a, it's a machine that can only kind of guess like what actually looks good. Um, you, you really got to have to develop an eye of like, Oh, is this like, how does the shot look? And like, is, is it good or not? So it,
0: lighting and exposure. Are so, so important. But with the LED lights, going back to that as front lighting, can't you just split them together and create white light? <laughs> I don't think so. No, it just looks horrible. It's like, unless if they're like
1: high-end LEDs, right? Like the ones that you said you have the nice like uh, Fresnels that are LED powered or whatever. And um, yeah, just don't go get some like American DJ, like super budget LED lights and try to turn them all on. Again, it's just like, It's just funny. It's like, yes, technically, yes. Like you can turn them all on and it should just
0: be white, but it looks still looks like doo-doo. So don't do that. I like it. Looks like (laughs) doo-doo. We'll end with that. So Jake, this has been so good. What's the best way for people to stay connected with you?
1: Um, Our YouTube channel is is the best place. That's where we're coming out with stuff every week. We do, uh, usually we're about two videos a week right now. We have our new like church front show that we do, which is kind of a nice, it's kind of a podcast type, uh worship and tech news show it's kind of fun just sit down and talk about this stuff uh and then we have our other like kind of more evergreen content um that we're coming out with like tips tutorials gear reviews stuff like that so go to go to the youtube channel check it out google me actually just google google church front you'll find plenty of resources there um and yeah we look forward to connecting with you
0: awesome don't miss this opportunity to connect with jake As always, thanks for being with us. We need your help to get this podcast out to everybody who needs it. So please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're using. And don't forget to subscribe so we can let you know when the next episode comes out. So go implement what you learned in this podcast and we'll catch you next time.